Welcome, everybody, to the Robert John the Wreck podcast. We are a five-piece rock and roll band from Orange County, California, that travels the world eating local foods, drinking local drinks, and melting faces. I'm Steve. I'm Warren. I'm Andrew. And I'm Henry. And this is episode 54, and it's my fucking birthday. Bro, bro, bro. Oh, we did yeah. it. We did it. We did it. Happy birthday, Steve. 35. I have shirts older than that. <laughs> Well, guess what? <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt that's older than that. Yeah, oh. dude. There you go. What What year is that shirt from? Because that's a that's it's, a tour uh, shirt, 80, right? Eighty-one. Eighty-one. Oh. Eighty-one. That's the year my blue parents got married. Cult shirt. And I got from Manny Montana. Manny Montana. I love that shirt, man. That's awesome. It's, it's the best. Yeah, Bruce is saying my hair looked really long in the Mediterranean pictures. I cut it right after that. So, and then I donated it. So I donated my hair right. to, it's called Wigs for Kids. Yeah. And uh, it's getting long again. So it's probably back down to the middle of my stomach. And when it was the longest, it was about down to my waist. And the problem is when it gets long, like I never wear it down. I just always have it up like yeah. this. Uh, I might wear it down on the podcast or at shows, but like pretty much most of my life I have it up. So I can't deal with that long hair. I have to brush it all the time. Your car, yep. yeah. How, you, I can't, I How long it. was it though? I feel you, that, man. You, your hair was pretty damn long before. Oh, it had to be like three and a half feet. Inches. That's how long it was. And it was still wow. like at my shoulder. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Are you going to donate it again? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's long enough. Uh, when I cut it, but I was when I did uh, uh, yeah. when I donated it was because I did uh, Pantene's Beautiful Links program, and uh, their minimum is nine inches. Hmm. So that I don't know if you want, I could I could get you. That's I could, what my ex girlfriend's minimum was too, and yeah. that's why she <laughs> broke <laughs> up with me. It's a joke. Oh, nice. Hey, 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 has like low hanging fruit. Hey, it's so good. Double oh seven, more like double oh nine and a half. Wow, that's funny. Nice. That was suggestive. Yeah. Was it like what do you? What is Pantene's? What was it called again? Uh, a Pantene's Beautiful Lengths program. <laughs> what is Pantene's Beautiful Lengths program and Warren's mom have in common? Oh, uh, <laughs> they're both very nice programs who like to take care of people yeah. <laughs> and are really good with friends. friends. And they have a minimum of nine inches. Who knows? <laughs> I was gonna say Henry's mom again, but Henry's mom actually listens to the podcast, so that's why <laughs> I was yeah. like, "Well, let's uh, let's." Uh, There's no way Henry. my mom's listening or going to. Damn it, mom! I gotta. So, my mom's scared of Facebook, so there's definitely no way she's listening. She doesn't know how to listen to podcasts, and she's scared of Facebook, so she will never see one of these. You guys can make fun of my mom. It's okay. Your mom's super nice. No, 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 do it. I don't derive any satisfaction out of making fun of people's moms. Henry, but it's so funny. We'll just talk shit on each other like we always do. (laughs) Okay, your mom goes to college. (laughs) Andrew, how dare you, Henry? Well, my week was good. It was fun. (laughs) Just jump right in here. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. We had a we had a a great great weekend up in Big Bear uh, for Roberts. Uh, bachelor party and uh it was great uh, henry we missed you we wish that, we that you could be there um yeah. you were there in spirit definitely yeah it was and uh dude I was, yeah i was uh, partying it was just it was just uh, so with fun, you guys man. in mind like the uh the all the guys that went are people that uh we've we've known for years and years and years and 
lot of like the Laguna crew and stuff. And it was really beautiful just to, I was talking to Andrew about this yesterday where it's like norm, we've known these people for so long, but I don't know that I've really spent time hanging out like uninterrupted with these people because we work together so much. It's people run bars, they're managing uh, venues and stuff. We They're in different bands. So like we see them when we're working and they're also working and you connect and, you know, you build this history and you know their kids and see each other in passing but we always have some place to go or it's like hey we're gonna get together and pop in for like a drink or two and go see our buddy that works at this place and you know give them support and chat with them while they're working behind the bar or something and uh but then you have something to get to another show or you know band rehearsal or meetings or whatever so it was really cool just to have three interrupted days where we didn't even leave the property like we didn't go into town we just hung out and played lawn games and pool and and drank and listened to music and just got really got to sit down and chat and and catch up and talk about the crazy world that we live in and learn more about each other and stuff and just bro down it was amazing i loved it and then uh, i'm trying to think of like if everyone can think of one podcast safe story to tell from the bets or party steve you don't have to go first but no no i'll go first because this was i've never seen this shit before um on Friday, there was like a freak hailstorm, and it was so oh, yeah. Nuts. That was before you got there, and, and the um, so we're outside, we're playing putt putt and cornhole, and we set up this whole bracket and stuff where you know two people do a team, and we're playing pool and and uh, uh, foosball and cornhole and uh, and putt putt because there was a putting green there that was on this ledge that looked at the mountains and the lake and just absolutely gorgeous and then it started to rain a little bit and then the rain started turning into little pieces of hail and then the hail just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where these things were like not golf ball size but they were like you know large pea or large like grape size you know hail that was just bouncing off the green and bouncing off cars and shit it was nuts and it was still like 84 degrees i guess that happens in hundred like thunderstorms i don't know much about them because we're over here on the coast and it doesn't really happen down here in orange county but over the mountains it was nuts just to see that and it lasted for like half an hour and the whole green was just covered in white pieces of hail and it was it was incredible what what wes went out and hit a hole in one on yeah. the putting green in the middle of the hail and the hail was like big enough to give you like decent sized welts it was, yeah. it was pretty epic <laughs> and then it was just beautiful the rest of the day too it was like just over the sun came back out the clouds were all crazy and shit and that was amazing that was a really cool experience and it was early in the day too i think it was at like like one or two o'clock or something so none of us were too faded yet it was really really fun yeah the war um, my favorite part, I think, was the jams. We br- we all brought musical instruments, and there was like four or five guitars, and a banjo guitar, and mandolins, and a drum set up, and a bass. And Steve brought the keyboard too. And at any moment of any time, when you wa- whenever you wanted to, you could just go pick up an instrument. And people were switching instruments and coming up with song ideas on the spot. And Oh, at one point we played a, we're playing like some rancid covers and some like old nostalgic punk songs and stuff. And yeah, it was just cool to, again, and I like the the thing that Steve said is that you see a lot of these people in passing, either you go and see a lot of them are musicians or people who work in the service industry. So you see them in passing or 
you know, throughout the night. And it was just, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, hanging out with everybody, just the most solid group of dudes ever. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but the highlight for me was definitely, like, the music, and that was one of the highlights, one of the many highlights. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, playing was fun. It was actually a cool space, too, because it was all hardwood on the floors and the ceilings. And then the top level there had like a V-shaped roof where it didn't have an attic. It went all the way up. So it was about two stories of like height. And that gives such a, like that's how a lot of studios are built because it gives it a sound. So it was almost like playing in a church or something like that. Everything just sounded awesome Mm. when we would play stuff. So that was super cool. And then the views. So like it was a three-story place. And uh, you couldn't throw a rock without hitting a balcony. There was a balcony on every level in two directions. <laughs> so one was the sunset, and then one was the view of the lake. Oh, really the coolest thing, we kind of talked about this, um, but you saw the view out of the kitchen window, right? There's yeah. this view of the lake out of the kitchen window, and it's just this nice like pi- uh, window. It almost looks like a picture, right? Like someone put a picture on their wall, but it's like real. It's outside. And you can just tell like someone built the house starting from that view and then worked backwards. So like, what's the best view we possibly have here? And they built this window frame around it. And then, you know, the rest of the house was just from there. It's just the coolest thing to see, you know. And also, someone put that much detail into a house. On the west facing uh, uh, patio. So there's ground floor, second floor, and then the third floor which had the vaulted ceilings and on the, yeah, it's, it's crazy just to think like you, you're building this house specifically for these picturesque views. The whole place was made out of these incredible, incredible tree trunks and stuff, just logs and shit. And so each, it was almost like each uh, support pillar on the exterior of the house was its own frame. Like I, w- I was walking around and just sitting in different places and it's like, oh, like this is, it was one of those moments where it was like, is this real? Is this even real? Any- like, or is, is this all green screen or whatever? Like it was just unbelievable to see that yeah, everything's just awesome and just framed perfectly. You stand in the middle of any of the, the, uh, archways and stuff with the, with the logs. And it was just like, oh, like this is its own masterpiece. Like it could be an album cover. It could be you know, a painting in a museum and shit. Like, oh, it was, it was gorgeous. We were definitely the ugliest things in that house. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. It was fun just, you know, throwing out and being dudes with a bunch of other dudes. And, you know, the food was great. The, uh, the times were great. Yeah. And shout out to we didn't John get Hampton for trouble. all up. No. Nope. Great. They had a jacuzzi. Too, which was wow. awesome and a movie like a theater room which was nuts the sound the sound yeah. system in there was incredible too it was cool yeah Henry, i was just chilling, like listening to records in there at some point it was awesome it's just like sitting in a recording studio listening oh, to nice. records with really nice speakers and just going like oh this wow. is so yeah. awesome in a bitchin like can really hear all the details like theater style reclining leather chair with cup holders and shit it was amazing <laughs> Nice. We watched Ready Player One, or at least like I watched half of it. I haven't watched that movie since it came out. Oh yeah, and then yesterday we went out, did a little uh, post bachelor party close out of the weekend, and uh, went on the Newport Tiki Harbor cruise 
around sunset, which was so fun. It's this uh, floating tiki bar with a motor on the back of it, and went out for a couple hours and just enjoyed the back bay here in Newport. And and uh, our captain, Captain Elliot, was amazing. And then went over to Captain B- Elliot. Yeah. Went over to Black Knight he afterwards was and got some man. got some drinks and hung out and and he showed up, got a yeah. drink with us. And our, yeah, our captain came out and did some shots and. That was really fun. Thank you guys for for joining me on that, man. That was that was fun. Yeah, thanks for having us, Steve. Henry, we almost died. I woke up this morning. I was so tired. I'm like, what happened? What did I do? Like, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, you know, the entire weekend full of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then me and Warren jumped in the water. I forgot yeah. about all this. This is how like you know tired I was this morning. I forgot that we did all this stuff. And and the the boat is literally a floating tiki bar. It's an octagon that's no more than maybe ten feet across, and it just floats like in yeah. a circle almost. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing to do if you're in Newport and you that's can awesome. drink. And, yeah, yeah. It was be, we should like beer, make a floating stage and then just play for tips for people's boats. <laughs> what song do you want to hear? Yeah, seriously. Give me hundred dollars. Who do we know? We don't know any Jimmy Buffett though. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'd learn Jimmy Buffett. What, what are boat songs? That How hard learn? could a Jimmy Buffett song be? Oh, um, not hard, but we just don't know any. There's like a yeah. bunch of bunch of hollow notes. Yeah, it'll be fun. So we specialize in only yacht rock. Yeah, we only play yacht, yacht songs. Yacht songs. We don't play On Duffy yacht. rock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that Duffy rock. Well, Steve, what you got there? Oh, well, oh, you forgot to ask Henry, Henry how his weekend how's, was. How's your, how's oh, your week, bro? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's good. Um, I, I'm out here a little bit longer than uh, planned because uh, my mom got soldier, uh, shoulder surgery on uh, Friday. So I'm just kind of helping hold down the fort here, uh, kind of being an extra pair of hands for when they need it, helping take care of the dogs, that sort of thing. And, yeah. She's just kind of resting most of the time. Um, how, but how did the, last, how'd the surgery uh, go? What's up? How'd the surgery go? How, how's your mom doing? Oh, it was good. She's, uh, you know, she she is in and out of a sling. Um, luckily, she's going to be on the lower end of recovery time. So uh, nice. it wasn't too bad of a thing to have to get worked on. Um, just just a tear in her uh, ro- rotator, rotator cuff, something, Oof. some sort of rotational thing in her shoulder. So. Um, but yeah, she's, she's good. Um, you know, in and out of resting and on meds and stuff. So, and then, uh, this Wednesday, actually, uh, last week I actually did something pretty cool. I, uh, I caught and, uh, cooked my own dinner Ooh. at our local pond. I, oh yeah. And it wasn't very much food cause it was kind of a small fish, but it was kind of cool. It was like, I actually caught the fish and like gutted it and, prepared it as well as I possibly could and like deboned it, cooked it. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a white perch out of uh deer long, dire long pond here is the pond we go to that we fish at. So nice, right? pretty, pretty That's rad. Awesome. And That's it was awesome, delicious. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was the highlight of my week. Probably. <laughs> That's yeah. epic. That's rad. You can't ever like get food to taste better than, uh, like actually, catching it yourself and then yeah. making it it's just a right. satisfying feeling yeah exactly that's amazing dude hell yeah congrats yeah. thanks man yeah that was uh easier than i thought and uh oh it was a small fish yeah, right? definitely an interesting process yeah it was a small yeah. fish so 
Self-sufficient. Self-sufficient, you can say. I'm learning how to be. And, uh, you know, I think uh, by the time we talk about how self-sufficient we are with uh, what we're drinking right now. Steve. And before we do, uh, we are going to bring out our good buddy and wonderful singer, musician, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, Mr. Ben Ringo. What up, buddy? Yeah. Cheers, man. Howdy, y'all. What's up, Ben? Yo, Ben. Uh, not a whole lot, man. How are y'all? Good. Doing great. It's very good. Doing Recovering good. from the bachelor party as well. <laughs> Recovering. Man, that's, uh, I, I feel bad almost. I mean, I don't feel bad for you, but I was just like, I was definitely sitting here like drinking tequila and then I was like, man, there you go. I can see like, uh, Andrew, you're drinking like sparkling water. Yeah. <laughs> these, guys are, these guys have made a turn to corner. They're like getting all healthy. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. And I, yeah. I saw Steve's <laughs> sneaky white claw, and I was like, "All right, okay." Yeah. Still the still the guys I know. Well, because it's my birthday, I got a whole thing. So I got the uh, <laughs> variety pack number one of white claws because uh, you know no laws when you're drinking claws. So I'm I'm currently on a uh, raspberry one, which is delightful. And uh, is that to- is. Is that true? There are no laws. I mean, I, I feel like uh, at least in Nashville, the police department funds themselves on out-of-state DUIs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think just within the limits of the box. You know, I mean, it's its uh, own. Oh, okay. It's kind of like its own country. You know, just in there, like it's <laughs> its little, own little sovereign nation. Yeah, its own sovereign nation. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. You have diplomatic immunity to the claw. door when you're drinking claws. The only in you just gotta like the claw box. You just gotta, yeah. you just gotta put the box like on your antenna when you drive, right? Like all the embassy drivers do. Yeah. It's, it's, no, no, officer, it's all good. It's all, see the, the, antenna, yeah. the antenna. Yeah, check it out. I it's wish re- there was something we could do. I it's wish mango. they would make it in public, but there's no laws when you're drinking claws. Yeah. I wish they you made know bigger the boxes. You know, yeah, it's crazy. No, def- definitely so. there there are plenty of laws that you should All right. follow. As, so. well, as well as your drink today, you have to say what your favorite flavor of White Claw is because people are talking about it in the chat. All right. Oh, boy. So oh, yeah. y'all can hate me, but I love the Ruby Grapefruit <laughs> one. I think that's the what? The Ruby Grapefruit, grapefruit? White Claw might be my favorite. My dog. And, uh, my dog. What works out really great is that my girlfriend fucking hates them, so. We uh, she loves the lime ones and I like the ruby grapefruit ones and she does not like the ruby grapefruit ones so it all works out. The lime, it's great. Yeah, she likes the lime flavor. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of impartial. Like the, the, I, the, the rest of them are all right. Almost anything, but this is like a me style giving someone shit about something. Yeah. So wow. yeah, it or, works out. Um. I don't even drink White Claw enough to have a favor, but I like bubbly shit, so, you know, they're all good, I guess. I usually drink, like, beer, though. But right now, I'm drinking a LaCroix, so I am drinking bubbly water. Hibiscus. Oh! Yes. Hibiscus. So, the, the funny thing is, I looked up, uh, I, we, I, I don't know why I looked up new flavors. Well, I looked up new, the new flavors when they came out, and it said, the quote was, the bubbly water community did not favor the hibiscus flavor. And then I thought, wow, there's actually a bubbly water community. How do I get to be a part of that key group that gets to make decisions on what LaCroix are good and what Uh, spindrifts are good? Contrary to White Claw, there's more laws when drinking LaCroix. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
it becomes stricter. Yeah, they actually all apply. Tech, <laughs> yeah. It's just a higher time. There's definitely that. Yeah. yeah. That's where and, I'm at. Well, has anybody, have you approached the uh, controversy of how to say the name? Uh, we've been saying LaCroix. LaCroix. Well, LaCroix. so so it's like the, the island is called St. Croix, right? C-R-O-I-X, right? Which is French. That's not the French pronunciation. And even on Le, uh, LaCroix's website, right, they like say it's LaCroix. But our, when the Delta Saints band I was in tour, was touring Europe, our TM was French. And so, like, I just, like, brought a can and I was like, Max, I'm using Costco brand, right? But, like, pretend. It's like, how do you say this? And there's, LaCroix. <laughs> like, I know, right? I know, buddy. And I was like, guess how we say it? He goes, oh, man. It's like we call it LaCroix. He's, he's just like fucking Americans. <laughs> we did our best. Yeah. We should ask Max to pronounce a bunch of English words and see how he does. Yeah, yeah it's one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> not to jump ahead, but we just like, we still like, when I want to see some of the band guys, we'll like just, it's true, it's just talk about Max stories, right? You're like, you remember that one time? Yeah, the French. Shout, Shout out, out to, to Max, Max by the way. Music. Love you, buddy. Yeah, man. What a good dude. Yeah. What are you well, drinking, Henry? I, I am drinking a uh, another East Coast beer. This is from uh, Shipyard Brewing. And they are in Portland, Maine, and South Burlington, Vermont. And this Ooh. is just the uh, American Golden Ale they have. And just a beer. And uh, if I get tired of that, I have sparkling water with a little bit of grapefruit juice in it. Nice. Ooh. Fresh grapefruit and, uh, or like I've pretty much already hinted at this, but my favorite white claw flavor is definitely the ruby grapefruit. Yeah, bro, come on. I'll fight you for it. It's ironic that you're drinking grapefruit right now anyway. Right, exactly. I like to keep my options diverse because this is a long podcast and <laughs> you gotta make sure you keep your palate sort of entertained with different things and you know, just drinking beer the whole time. That's why I got the flavor pack number number one. It's like yeah. right. That's great. That's a good idea. What are you drinking, Ben? A little bit of uh, tequila and soda. Nice. Yeah. I'm really, it's bikini season. I'm watching my figure. (laughs) I mean, like, that's like a half joke, but I, my wife's family is doing like a little, like, small get together on the beach here in about a few weeks. And I saw myself in the mirror when I got out of the shower earlier. I was just like, oh, damn, son. Time for tequila sodas. No more beers. Right. Goodbye IPAs. Oh man. Well, I'm just I'm I'm a couple I'm like a year and a half behind Steve and uh somehow in my thirties hops just started destroying my brain. Oh yeah. Oh god. So, so honestly, like at, at this point it's just the cheapest it's either like super wonderful Belgian beer, which I know you guys know all about. Let's get some some West Blatron, some Duval, some Oh yeah. Or it's like I just need a Modelo. Or a Tecate. Yeah. Like it's, that's, and, yeah. and I, and I don't really go in the middle, right? It's like, yeah, you want like a craft? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll pick a craft, but like, I'll also pound a 20, you know, a case of Tecate, you know, I do either happily. So uh, in, uh, as far as White Claw goes, you got to go mango. Ooh, flavor pack number two. Mango's a close second. Mango's yeah. a close second yeah. for me. Man, I, I'm a bartender when I'm home. And uh, at our bar, we'll do like a bunch of country shows, which a lot of Bud Light and a lot of White Claw. And I was giving all these like these uh, these dudes a lot of shit 
for drinking White Claw, right? All night. So this is what all they were ordering, you know, and these like these are big old, big old like dudes. Yeah. I'm amazed like, at how well it did in that community. It like replaced Bud Light for a lot of people. It's unbelievable, right? And it's these dudes that like the, the type of guys where like you order a Miller Light, and they're like, "Oh, you big puss! Like, why are you drinking Miller Light? Drink Bud Light!" You know, it's like it's a judgy crowd, right? And they're they're straight, they're going straight up like, "Can I get a ruby grapefruit uh, White Claw?" Right, so I'm making fun of these guys who are drinking the mango ones. Not making fun of them, but just kind of like throwing a little bit of shit. And they're like, "Bro, you gotta taste it." It's like, yeah, yeah. And I taste it. I was like, "Damn, yeah, this is solid." Shamefully, it's just like I would, yeah, I'd drink this. I drink that in a heartbeat. I love it because it's like I've I've maybe gotten drunk off a of white claws once because it, it's what it's like five five yeah. percent alcohol by volume. And it's, yeah. uh, but for some reason, yeah. like, yeah. I, I agree with you where, where it's either like the really nice shit and you'll have a couple of them and like have the experience yeah. of drinking great beer or like <laughs> just keystoning all fucking day and, and yeah. a 30 rack and it's just, you know, flavored water at that point. But the, the beer yeah. like just fills me up so much. And for some reason, yeah. I don't know what it is with, with the white claws, but it's carbonated, but it doesn't sud you up. You know, like yep. I don't get, I don't feel bloated when I drink like, you know, 20 of these in a day or something. So. And that's, that's why I, <clears throat> my, my wife's brother lives in Dallas and they do this thing called ranch water. It's just a tequila yeah. soda. That's right, what I'm drinking right now. But it's like a pint. You drink a pint and it's just one shot of tequila and the rest is soda water. Yeah. And it, it is, it's my cure-all. It's like you can get as drunk as you want, <clears throat> but you're, drink so much water yeah but you wake up the next day and you're just like oh man i feel maybe not great but like certainly not as bad as i should for being as intoxicated as i was yeah you're hydrating while you're dehydrating yeah canceling each other out it's, up, it's uppers and downers at the same time right yeah. like just confusing your body sure it's science and it's a great way to stay in shape <laughs> all right andrew I am uh, drinking Soda Stream, uh, and I put some root beer in here. Nice. It's root beer, Soda Stream, because I'm still recovering. Because, like, we were done with the bachelor party, and then Warren basically took a nap and had to go back out and drink it with Steve afterwards. <laughs> so You're welcome. No, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was yeah, just, yeah. Uh, you know, a day that should have been a recovery day wasn't, which I'm not complaining about. Yesterday, it was awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I have that I, same mentality. I don't like white too. claws. I'm going to go on record and say I just don't like them compared to most other things. I would rather drink Fair. a beer than a white claw if I had the choice. That being said, my favorite flavor of white claw is black cherry. No one thinks All that. All right. That's and I, I hadn't drink, uh, drank white claws in a long time, and I had a lime one and a grapefruit one this weekend. So I've, I've currently tried you know, all right. the flavors of white claw again. Yeah, I don't. I, it has like a weird aftertaste to it if it's not cold enough. It's kind of chalky or something. It right? was just like wine or something like that. It's like weird. It has this like I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but like it just tastes like uh, it tastes like wine. It's like sour kind of. Mm-hmm. If I had my real go-to, it would be what you're talking about, where it's like uh, grapefruit <laughs> Lacroix and tequila, or like lime Lacroix and tequila, or vodka or something like that. It's so much better than like these canned. Mm-hmm. versions of this thing so and it's about the same like abv when you're talking about uh, yeah yeah and then it's uh, less calories too because white claws are like 100 calories and a shot of tequila is like 40 calories or something like that so it checks all the boxes for me 
And I'm an adult. I can afford a bottle of tequila and some LaCroix. So that's definitely, you know, where I'd spend my time now. How many people do you think are, are watching and like having their rock star dreams just crushed because like all these guys are like, oh, I'm like taking Jack straight and then snorting a line of Coke and all this. And they're like, I like, I've got to be on the beach um, soon, boys. I oh, really yeah. need some tequila and LaCroix. It's all about. This yeah. Quarantine yeah. 15 told is really, stories uh, yeah. from this weekend. Um, <laughs> we get arrested basically. So, you know. We have the real stories. They're just not podcast worthy because my girlfriend's mom listens to this sometimes. <laughs> I have to keep them like PG as as possible, as possible. So we always push the envelope a little bit, but uh, that means it winds up landing around PG thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's like we two, use the F word like yeah, at least two, once. Yeah, two F words and like uh, like an areola. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're to- totally good with man butt can totally fly, like, but you only get two female butts per half hour. You're like, I went to the bar and I had six, two, two beers. Yeah. Oh my God, I was so drunk after uh, that. And uh, I went home with this girl and I did, saw her. Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then just I woke up that, yeah. and nothing happened. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a great story. <laughs> so crazy. She took me into her room and showed me her our story. Harry Potter right. book collection. Yeah, yeah. We hung out and uh, we we watched Netflix. Right. Very <laughs> good. Uh, Narcos. Yeah. It's a great show. Twilight too. Amazing. We absolutely just watched the episodes and didn't do anything else. <laughs> Nothing. We just hung out. It was very respectful. Super respectful. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, a respectful night. <laughs> it was respectful, and I definitely woke up most, on time. It was the most respectful night I've ever been a part of. <laughs> oh man! All right. Be a funny podcast. I'd listen to that, like edited tour <laughs> stories, but where you just have to tell them and replace whatever really happened with something like really stupid and kid friendly. Then we really- started riding motorcycles out on the prairie. All tour, night tour long, stories, yeah. but in in child's book form. Child's yeah. Book. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. That would be really good. <laughs> so well, many boy, good I kids. punched the bouncer. I mean, gave him a flower. Yeah. <laughs> and then he and understood we, that he should get out of my way if I'm we, trying to go on stage. And we both high-fived and became best friends. His eye became black for no reason. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. He was just very tired. The end. The, the end. end. Everybody was happy, and we were all best friends. God. Uh, okay, I can't even start to tell tour stories. I will get in trouble unless I, if I don't think about them beforehand, I can't even start because we'll just get into the all the bad stuff. Do we? Uh, we we have a, you know, it, it's all I guess with a grain of salt. Uh, but we there's a GoPro, uh, right? Um, there's a hard drive floating somewhere within like the Delta Saints past and current members. Uh, and it's, it's again, it's all in good fun with a grain of salt, but like it's uh, essentially like a guarantee that no one's going into politics. <laughs> right. Cause it's just like, what's the drunkest uh, this guy's ever been. Ooh, let me, let me just pull up this file. And there you go. And you're just like, you know, someone throwing up outside of a moving vehicle or, passed out on a speaker during the opening band's set or, you know, or whatever, whatever it is, you know, and it's one of those where you're just like, it's the great equalizer. Yeah. So you're like, okay, no one can get too big for the bridges. It's like, yeah. 
Oh, you guys don't even know all the shit I have. I'm kind of the unofficial like band archivist and stuff. And so when when we were putting together the uh, the Do You Remember video, I went through like all the old hard drives, and uh, and just was looking through like shit from my camera roll and stuff from you know like dumps at the end of tour, like where you know we just have like hey like here's the tour videos like put together whatever. And there's some really fun stuff in there, but it was it was interesting going back through and being like, oh, this never needs to see the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for everyone cool. who was like a part of it like imagine you know, yeah. someone following around you you around with your camera in your 20s like are you kidding me <laughs> disaster and we yeah we, we were a lot more uh we took a we, how do i say this we we, got, <laughs> we were we, a little bit more irresponsible yeah we got we got a lot crazier like back in the day and i, I think it's you know it helps that when you're that young like you can bounce back pretty easily you know, on some of those first tours, it was just like every, well, and every day that every town we go to, we were mainly staying with, with friends, you know, or, mm-hmm. or family. And that was like their one night off that month, you know, was to host us and go to the show and shit. And so every night was like every, everybody we were staying with every single night, that was their time to let loose and fucking go ham. Yeah. And for us, it was seven nights a week for, you know, two or three months. <laughs> And shit. So yeah. we were like, "Yeah, fuck it, let's go!" Like, we doing shots? We're doing shots. Fuck yeah! What's the uh, yeah. what's the local thing here? And you know, it was Man, yeah, fun. I, I I don't. I mean, yeah, y'all can uh, plead the fifth or, or or whatever you want on this. I just it's, it's a, I'm just curious to compare the two. But like, we we you get somebody come backstage and hang up after the show uh, who who wasn't used to that lifestyle, and they automatically expect like Van Halen in the '80s. Yeah. You're like, all right, where are the where are the prostitutes and where's the cocaine, <laughs> right? And you're just like, hey, man. So neither are here. But if you stick around long enough, you'll find that like those actually aren't the fun parts, you know. Like especially in the early days, like like something will end up on fire. Yeah. If you just hang out long enough, like yeah. there will be there there'll be a fight. Cops will come. There'll be pizza. Uh, someone will get <laughs> mad at someone else and like light their bed sheets on fire, and they'll end up in the front lawn. <laughs> just just stick around. Be patient. Hang out. Not going to be. Not going to be prostitutes. Not going to be cocaine. Uh, Unless you brought them. You know. Right? I mean, like I mean, at least the thought the is, no one's ever told a story about doing a lot of cocaine. You know, what I mean, it's what they did after they did a lot of cocaine that made them so, so stupid that they did something stupid. It's not about whatever the drug was. It's about the actions that you take. You know. So sure. Well, my, uh, yeah. My my brother-in-law um, came on a couple of tours when he was like senior in high school summer you know he'd come like sell merch and he was just like a he was severely disappointed because he just expected van halen in the 80s but again like give it till about 2 a.m and then like the weird shit starts happening you know, yeah. like, <laughs> you know and, you know and uh, uh and then like he'd leave like you know he'd come out with us for a week and at the end of it he would just be like well how do you do this every night and you're like it's because we it's because we don't do hard drugs <laughs> like really yeah you know, it's like we we were like we're good just to like get drunk on beer and smoke some weed. And that's that's yeah. and then just like screw around and watch YouTube videos. Like that's that's kind of like and the occasional like barn burner, right? Where you're just like, well, screw it, y'all. Let's just let's sell the tires from the van and just <laughs> you know like just buy as yeah buy as much Jim Beam as we can possibly fit. But, yeah, what a weird, what a wonderful way to spend your youth. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we can get into that in a little bit, 
But right now, I think we're going to listen to some music. Yes, uh, we are. And uh, we are on uh, the third chapter, let's say, of this sort of, uh, you know, I'm trying to be more thematically oriented with the way I do this. So a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about uh, the Small Faces, which was a, a group in England that, that formed about 1965 and pretty influential sort of became, went from being a rhythm and blues band to a uh, more of a psychedelic rock sort of group. And um, in 1969, they broke up and their lead singer, Steve Marriott, formed uh, Humble Pie, which I talked about last week. So this week I'm talking about what the rest of the guys did, which is uh, Ian McLoggin, the uh, keyboard player, Ronnie Lane on bass, and Kenny Jones, the drummer, linked up with Ronnie Wood on guitar and Rod Stewart, the uh, famous vocalist, who had previously been in a band with Jeff Beck as part of the Jeff Beck group. And uh, by this time, Rod Stewart was already sort of doing his solo career, but was kind of splitting time between the rock band and his own thing. And um, the only reason they changed, basically this band is called The Faces, because the only reason they changed their name is because the two new guys weren't short. Everybody in the small faces was like five, six or shorter. And so when Ronnie Wood and Rod Stewart joined, they were like, well, we're not small faces anymore because not everybody in the band is small. And uh, basically from like 70 to 75, um, pretty active touring band. And what I'm going to talk about today is basically their breakthrough record, which happened in 1971. And uh, this record is called A Nod Is As Good As A Wink. Um, it's considered their signature record, has their probably their best-known song, which is uh, Stay With Me, on it. And uh, one of the coolest things about it that I actually just found out, but it makes sense, is that it was produced by uh, Glenn Johns. And uh, if you don't know, Glenn Johns is a, a legendary rock record producer and uh, engineer. Um, he, he sort of created his own technique for miking a drum kit that uh, was sort of very impactful, very influential, sort of on the sonic... Uh, I guess, evolution of heavy rock music or just rock music in general, really, in the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, he worked with The Stones, The Who, Led Zeppelin, uh, the first two Eagles records, Bob Dylan, the band, Clapton, etc. I mean, just an insane roster of musicians and uh, is still alive today and a legendary producer and engineer. And uh, this uh, this record that he worked on with Faces is... Uh, definitely no exceptions. Um, I would consider it one of the best rock records of all time. And uh, the song that I we are going to be listening to tonight is called "That's All You Need." And uh, here it is. Here we go.
That's I, I always, I always uh, forget about Rod Stewart, mm-hmm. right? Because I feel like he gets he gets written off uh, 
as like a um, kind of like a soft rock kind of guy, right? Right. In like like yeah. late seventies, early eighties, yeah. where he got into the more ballady. And that was when he became like a superstar uh, as like a solo musician. Yeah. And just his his early work, even like his his early solo career, the stuff he did with Jeff Beck, the stuff he did with the Faces, all that stuff is just phenomenal. It's so good. What his voice, like it's yeah. just it had it had honestly, like I was listening to it and I was like, okay, this this is hitting me in a really familiar way. I've, I've yeah. actually, ne- I admittedly, never heard that song before. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but I was like, this, his voice is hitting me in a really familiar way, and it's like, it's. I don't mean any disrespect to anybody in this because I love both of these artists, Rod Stewart and Scott Butch, compare them to. But it's almost like you hear what Chris Robinson at 19 was mm-hmm. trying to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're like, because yeah. he's got the same yeah. like smooth rasp and like that high, kind of that high chest voice. Yes. And, and this is one of the bands that the Black Crows uh, supposedly drew a lot, of, a lot of influence from as well. Oh, like, cool. I think uh, I, I was reading up on them a while ago and I think. Like one of their earlier, it was like an A and R guy or somebody with the label was like, "Oh, you need to check out this Faces record." And so that was a big thing when they were like, probably before even their first record came out, they got shown the Faces or or Faces rather. And uh, I, I mean, you can I, I hear exactly what you're talking about, and I didn't even realize that until you said it. And now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, "Oh man, that makes so much sense." This is influential. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Those voices definitely have a very similar timbre to them. Mm-hmm. Also, like, how wild would it have been to be able to make records <clears throat> in the era when the label would have gone, like, okay, you can have a minute interlude that's free time in the yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just we'll put that on. Fucking around on, <laughs> on slide guitar. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like self-indulgent guitar player moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I mean, like, and now yeah. the steel drum comes. Yeah, yeah. Right. the steel drum is so great. Yeah. Like, is that steel drum? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that record. There's so many cool moments on it. And um, if you get a chance, you should check it out. Uh, it's it's very, very good. And and actually, I didn't think about this until we listened to the song just now. But so so funny enough, when I first joined the band or, or shortly before I was getting into this band, and um, I had never really played with open tunings before. And uh, part of playing in this band is, as the lead guitarist, is doing slide guitar and involving some aspect of open tuning. So this act, this record was actually really big for me and sort of hearing what that sounds like because this is actually kind of a landmark record for the tuning I use, which is open E. Uh, Ronnie Wood is using the same tuning on his guitars in a lot of the songs on this record, specifically that song. And I didn't think about it until I was listening to it. It was like, oh, man, I was listening to this when I was trying to figure out how to play in open tunings. Mm-hmm. Were you were you playing slide before you went into open tunings? Yeah, yeah. I had I had done slide here and there, but I never really, like, like joining this band was like I dove really deep into, like, technique and listening yeah. to other slide players. And before I had just done it as sort of, like, kind of a novelty almost as, like, mm-hmm. Just, you know, well, yeah, I can play like a goofy slide solo here and there, but I'd never really taken it seriously as like another aspect of my playing until I, yeah. I joined up with this band. Man, <clears throat> I started slide in open tuning, uh-huh. and, which open tuning is wonderful, right? right. It's, it's, it's just has a, it has a vibe to it, especially yeah. with a slide. It's also just easier. It is. I, I'm not, even I'm not a lead player, right? I, I'm, because I, I don't, I just, my brain doesn't work in like the lead 
guitar way. Mm-hmm. So it was easier for me. But yes. then you then you saw that rip in standard tuning on a slide. You're like, oh, you don't have the crutch of just hitting any open string on accident or on purpose. Like right. you are you are intentional with every note you're hitting, and it's yeah. just like I'm just like dear God. I mean, why? Yeah, just like even listening to like old because like, Dwayne played Dwayne Alden played standard right or was he, he had some he would do stuff in standard but he was also an open e guy okay so like uh like statesboro blues was open e like a yeah. lot of the stuff he played slide on he played open tunings but but i know he did standard tuning slide stuff as well it just blows my mind and then you throw in like it is full jason is doing much a live stream and mm-hmm. stuff during this quarantine and he'll be playing like a telly in standard mm-hmm. with a slide and just like yeah. man how hard do you want to make it he just burns on slide dude he's he's unbelievable yeah but then on, like a telly is just a hard guitar yes. with a slide on it. <laughs> it's a very it's, honest guitar it's like yeah it's like a brutally honest instrument to to play on and i actually just got my first telecaster about uh two months ago and uh i love it don't get me wrong but it's it's definitely like Man, there's something about the way that the the openness of that guitar and the way those those pickups are. There's so much high end on them yeah. that you just hear all these sort of chunks that you don't hear on other instruments. And some strats are like that too. Like I like I've always been a big strat guy too. But mm-hmm. yeah, the telly I've always considered is like super duper honest guitar. Like you can't you can't be like half assing stuff and playing a telly. Like you gotta like kill it <laughs> well i would not to disagree with you but i'm a shit mm. guitar player and i've always played tellies yeah well, but, <laughs> so, but, but that's what i mean it's like, i guess i mean within your own style sure yeah you know, no right? I, you're right again playing lead and rhythm is just so different right. because you have so much more leeway with when playing rhythm you know like like as opposed to when you're playing lead I mean, you are you're in the spotlight you know what i mean right like, right you, people are going to pick apart every note um, yes i i love tellies but it's it's I do like that more high end like kind of yeah. garagey like sound that they yeah. have. Yes. But honestly, like the what you you're you play Gibsons as well. I do. Yeah, I have a I have an SG and a Les Paul. I I've got my I have a Les Paul kind of permanent loan. Honestly, I just like I play it, and I feel the same way you when you talk about Tellys. I feel the same way about a Les Paul. Where I'm just like mm-hmm. every little thing that I screw up on that Les Paul, just like, right. that's the first thing that comes right. out. You're just yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, sorry. Yeah. I, I, maybe it's, this. maybe it's more getting outside of the instrument within your comfort zone. Right. Because, because oh. there's something a little bit different about all those sorts of things. And like, I've always been really into like SGs and, and strats. And that's just sort of like, those are the instruments that just feel right yeah. in my hands, you know? Yeah. So like a telly is a little bit of a different animal. Les Paul, not so much. Les Paul is closer enough to the SG that, that, but it's its own unique thing, interestingly enough. Like you think, you know, same type of wood, same type of pickup, same layout. It can't be that different, but it is. It's like a totally different thing. The yeah. way it responds and the way it feels and stuff. Okay. So, so as obviously, I'm, I'm not a guitar player, um, but <laughs> is it the type of thing I, kn- I know with keyboard, like, and we were kind of messing around with it this weekend. That like every different sound that I do, even though it's the same keyboard, but like if I do an organ patch or a Rhodes patch or piano or a clove or like vibraphone or whatever, like you're 
you play it completely differently. Like everything changes stylistically. Yes. Is that the same type yeah. of a thing with, with guitars? That's how it feels for me, at least. I mean, when I, when I'm switching between, and, and especially, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess talking about the tuning thing, I mean, that's a complete, it's like playing a different instrument, yeah, yeah. but yeah, if I, if I like, you know, I'll bring, um, an extra guitar and standard tuning to rehearsal sometimes since all we've had is rehearsals or to a gig or whatever, when we were doing, uh, back when, when we were doing casuals and stuff like that, yeah. arena or whatever, and I would have an extra guitar to bring along and yeah, absolutely. Like it totally makes you habitually go for different things. Like at least for me, improvising solos, like 90% of the solos I do are improvised. So yeah. I go for different things on the neck because it's just what feels natural to my muscle memory, basically. Yeah. I'm not going to go for the same licks. So the feels yeah. different and the and obviously like the sounds different. I I'm not yeah. as hip to it again because I'm not a guitar player, but and I just know how like things sound, but as yeah, somebody that doesn't know like the whole chain of, you know, pedals and amp and everything right. like that, uh that's really cool to hear that it's like you play something on one guitar and it's you would do it completely different if you had a different instrument and the same yeah. fingers and yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean I feel like it's even even to like what the pickups emphasize yeah like right. back to what henry what you're saying with the telly it's all high end right right and mid and highs so it's like right. on your downstroke you know if you're just like strumming down you're gonna get like issue i have is i get used to the telly um softening when i because you hit the low strings first mm -hmm. i get mm -hmm. used to it. so when i pick up a les paul it just sounds so chunky because mm -hmm. holy shit you're hitting those bottom strings super hard yeah you know, those les paul pickups are just darker you know, just, just one, I guess one, one example of it. Right. You know, so it's like, so I'll, I typically go more Fender because they're more mid range. But mm -hmm. uh, I've got a Tele and a Jazzmaster that I play. And it's just like, suits me, suits me really well. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's always like what intuitively, and that's the thing for me. It's like, I would never, I could never classify myself as, as, oh, I'm a Fender guy or a Gibson guy. Like, Depends on what day it is. Um, definitely my two favorites are the SG and the Stratocaster. Like those are like, you know, I would, I would take those two as my go-to in a heartbeat. Those are just the guitars that feel natural in my hands, the way the neck connects to the body. They've got the contours. I love screwing around on the, the Strat Tremolo and the SG feels like I'm holding a battle axe or something. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. Designed to conform to my my body basically you know it has those those contours and the way the neck you know you have all that upper fret access because of those deep cutaways it's got the two horns at the bottom and it sort of feels like playing a weapon it's Dude, that, that and if if like someone unruly from the crowd jumps on stage you could keep right. your attention with that right. you know like you see like that video where you just like just straight up yes. just Yes, Babe I have to roots that guy in the yeah, chest with, a, with his huge, with his <laughs> heavy ass Telecaster. Like Jeez, you're done, dude. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. I haven't seen that. Now I want to go watch that right yeah, now. You yeah, should. It's, it's really good. It's unbelievable. It's really, really good. Like I mean, like straight up full force, just mm -hmm. like boom, hits the guy right yeah. in the chest. Is he running yeah. at him like on stage or? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if he's running at Keith. I think he was maybe just like running. I think he just got on stage and he was like, mm. "Oh my god!" Oh, and just probably drunk or something, and he must have oh. really pissed Keith off. But he, oh my god, he Dude. slams him. Not he today. Just, 
They're probably out. playing in a ballpark or something like that. Right, he's yeah, like in the outfield. Like, he's like, I've always wanted to yes. do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you point to into the audience? Yeah, like, straight up. Yeah. Oh, that's gosh. funny. That's wild. Yeah, if I ever got in a fight on stage, I would just grab the nearest 58, man. And just keep singing afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Those things are yeah. fucking tanks. It's red. Hell yeah. Dude, so Ben, you're doing yes, uh so we met little, little backstory on Ben. So we met we met Ben through uh Manny and Teenage Head Music that we've been touring with out in Europe. And uh over the years, shit, when did we do that uh that West Coast run? So twenty Well twenty I we met before I think we met before that. We before met, we went you know. to Europe. Yeah, yeah. I Nashville, was gonna right? say we well, I think we were like doing our first teenage head tour and we sort of uh were on tour in the west coast and that just sort of oh, lined up the yeah. day that we had off. Yeah, yeah. and so you guys were opening up for blackberry smoke in reno and that's where we met yeah, you guys that's right at night but then so y'all were already has y'all already gone over with manny at that point no, no we were we hadn't we were just in our initial talks with manny but we wanted to meet more bands and talk to them about what their experience was because oh, you know okay. Being a band from the United States, just going over to Europe without knowing anything about it is like, yeah, scary to say the least. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you're going to be with these people for a month, and you like were, you don't yeah. know them, and you don't know who they are, you don't know yeah. if they're going to steal all yeah. your money, and you don't. And we've heard horror stories. I don't know if you've talked to some other bands, but like Teenage Head Music is a really good agency mm-hmm. and yeah. really takes yeah. care of their bands. Uh, they're probably the minority. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. They're, yeah, really. We were in the same boat, honestly. We have the exact same as y'all. We were like, so we bought our tickets. Is like, there was still the question of like, is someone going to be there? Yeah, yeah. When we land, like, are we just, is it just going to be like a taken thing, you know, where we get yeah. like shoved in the back of a van and like sold, you know, like, or, or is like, or are they just going to like <laughs> run with our money and leave us like in the Brussels airport? Like, we were just a bunch yeah. of dummies, you know. Uh, so we were, yeah, in the exact same boat. And yeah, because we we didn't even we didn't meet Manny until he picked us up from from the airport in uh, Frankfurt. Oh, our first yeah, time. Yeah, no, exact same bus. What a what a gamble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And it worked that out. Paid off. But not, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, and shout shout out to Manny and the, all the guys over at Teenage Absolutely. Music. Yeah, um, yeah, man. Yes, good people. So we had played the. It was right after Chinook Fest, right? Did we do? Yeah, it, I think y'all were coming home. Yeah, and we did, and then like. Yeah. I think we did we did like one show the night before and it was like a long ass drive. So we were like, hey, like we're <laughs> well, either right, here, here's how I remember it. this yeah, story. We went in Seattle to a uh uh a benefit concert that our friend was throwing for uh it was like a Tom Petty cover night and they had a bunch of like Seattle celebrities sing a Tom Petty song for Sweet Relief Musicians yeah. Fund. We did a bunch of stuff for them, we love them, donate to them if you yes. can. But Sweet Relief was putting on something at the Showbox in uh, right next to uh, Fisherman's Wharf and that sort of area, Seattle, like downtown, downtown. And we went to that. There were some sleepy time brownies that got passed around. That's <laughs> <laughs> why it's and, a little uh, hazy for me. Yeah, I remember watching that show and then like sleeping because we drove all the way from Seattle that night to Reno. Yeah, Jesus. And I think it was, we were always doing crazy drives like that back then. But I remember that because I slept through the entire drive. I don't even remember. I was just magically transported from uh, Seattle to Reno. I was like, cool, we made it. Look, guys. 
And I was like, yeah, <laughs> after, you know, 15 hours of driving or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it, and it was crazy, too, because it was it was kind of, I feel like it was, if I'm remembering correctly, it was like a last-minute decision. It was like, hey, well, we could go, we could yeah. go here, or, like, we could go to Reno <laughs> and uh, Blackberry Smoke's playing, who were fans of their music and stuff, and we'd love to go see that. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, a band's opening up for them called the Delta Saints that's with the agency that just hit us up to go to Europe with, and we were like, Fuck it, let's go, right? So Robert drove for a bit, and then like we normally do, like I took over and drove for, you know, the middle of the night hours, and then after the sun came up, Robert switched back to driving and, and drove all the way there. And we got in, like, we we checked in the hotel, and then we got there. I think it was like, what was the name of that venue? Knitting Factory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it was your guys' like second song. And we walk in and we're like, fuck yes, we made the show. Like, we're checked in, we made the show, we get here, we're like, where the fuck are we? Which happens all the time on tour. And then we're like, holy shit, who are these guys? Like, we knew that you were working with Manny, but like, your Delta Saints are just fucking blew us away, man. And I remember talking to uh, talking to Robert uh, a little bit after the show. I'm like, dude, we gotta fucking hang out with these dudes. We gotta like wait around, like, fucking, you know, talk to them anyway, because, you know, but also like, fuck dude like you guys blew that fucking roof off man it was amazing that was fun <clears throat> that was in particular like I, I remember that I, don't, I remember that being a really fun show uh i mean the knitting factory is, is great as well i mean they're just tried and true right they got like one in brooklyn they've got they, they've got kind of all over um yeah. blackberry smoke obviously wonderful like yeah we did the, we were doing we had like a 52 show tour with them holy shit and they were just so kind and wonderful but that show was super fun and then i remember yeah, we, we all like we met afterwards, and uh, I'm still trying to find the photos from that night because I'm right. That was there, there's like the big light up Reno sign. Yeah, and we I mean it's like in Nashville we have what you call the Woo Girls, right? Like the Bachelorettes on like the bird scooters that are just like you know falling all over the city and puking everywhere. And like I feel like we, at least the Delta Saints we were that that night. And y'all were like the responsible ones, maybe. I don't know. There's just a photo of us like under the Reno sign, like in the street at yeah. like 2 a.m. that I've been trying to find for five years. It's on somebody's phone. I, I just think, don't know I'm pretty phone. sure I have it. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna look it up after this podcast and, and text it to you, man. But but pretty it's sure. yeah. That, that is that is when we met, and it was. Uh, well, I mean, you guys know, but you're on the road, and it's like it's uh, it, kind of weird, kind of lonely in the sense of like your your band dudes, and you know. Uh, but to find like actual kindred spirits was like that was a that was a good night. You know what I mean? I feel like we uh yeah. we all just like, jumped in and just we're on the same wavelength from the beginning. Yeah. It's like you guys want to go to a casino? Yeah. Do you want to go get drinks? Hell yeah. You guys want to go get chili dogs? Yeah, want to get drunk and start driving. We got chicken fried steak or something. We went to some diner or yeah, something yeah, like that yeah. in the casino. At like three in the morning or some shit too. It was like, I'm oh, I'm man, only ever so good at gambling when I am like completely wasted. And that night and I think I won like a hundred dollars and then spent it on chicken fried steak. It's way to do it. So like yeah. I, but I woke up the next morning. I was like, every man's dream. Yeah. I was like, did I, did I come out on top? And I was like, well, kind of. And then you tip, tip the waitress 30 bucks. So I'm like, a, <laughs> you know, you're just like, well, you, you know, you, you bought like the whole table Corona's. Okay. Yeah. God, it was so but much that, fun, man. That was fun. That was a fun, uh, fun evening. Yeah, when so, did the Delta Saints start? I don't think I've gotten to ask you these like really specific questions about the band. It's exciting. Uh, yeah, we. I think it was like 2000, 2007 We wrote. We were kind of 
let's see, the three founding members, myself, David Speaking, who played bass, and then our original drummer, Ben Ozzy, transferred to go to school in Nashville in 07. And I think we started around then, um, like in the fall, just like screwing around in someone's apartment. We wrote a song and it was fine. You know, like it was cool, but like no one was like dead set. And then 2000, early 2008 came around and we were like, hey, that, that song was pretty cool. Like, I'm going to try writing more. And then we played, I think our first show in like April. So 07, 08, uh, we were, you know, in school, kind of the typical college band kind of thing. Um, yeah, started playing more, more and more. Uh, I think we recorded and released our first EP that summer. So summer of 08. And then I think we hit the road in the fall and yeah, we're just kind of doing I don't know, 75 or a hundred shows a year kind of thing until for a year or two. And then it just kind of turned into, I'm sure like, y'all, just like a madness, madness run, you know, where you're like, yeah, right, yeah how, sure. I can maintain a part-time job by being gone 200 days a year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was really hard in that uh, early stage. I remember being broke coming home a lot and like, whatever budgeting my seven dollars per day or six dollars per day on like a cliff bar and maybe some water or something yeah i didn't have a credit card back then so it was like an all cash sort of endeavor (laughs) situation (laughs) so like literally would get home with like zero dollars in my bank account and have to hit up my parents for like 200 bucks to eat the next month or something like that yeah make it back those were the days yeah totally yeah, where it's like, okay, I could spend three dollars a day. It gets towards the end of the tour, and that daily budget would always go down. It's like, well, I bought one beer. I always love like I hear kids talk about now, and I I'm like, you know, so spoiled at this point in my life, like yeah. actually working and stuff. But I remember back then being like, do I want to eat or do I want to buy another yeah, beer? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. There's bread in the beer, but yeah. this corn dog is three dollars. <laughs> You know, and it always was awesome when you would go to the person's house that like actually bought a third track or something. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm so excited, yeah. or you know, dude, what did you so like when you, yeah, like you all know this, but for anybody listening who hasn't toured, like you, you have a writer, right? When you tour, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, yeah, certainly in the early days and some mid days and late days, right? you just hope that it gets fulfilled. Right. But in the early days, it's like a wish, right? It's like, it's like straight up like yeah, message, yeah. message in a bottle. You're just launching it out in the ocean. You're like, God, somebody find this. Can we please right? have the cold right... cuts? Can we please have bottled water? <laughs> like... Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Where you're just like, and, and you start off and you're just like, all right, let's be sensible. Uh, we would love a 12 pack of like, and, uh, and a 12 pack of like Bud Light. And like, you throw your reach, you're like in a bottle of Jim Beam. Yeah, like that's like your reach, right? You're like, oh god, what if they fulfilled the writer, right? But like, Andrew, to your point, where you, you get like, I remember just getting into a green room for the first times and being like, holy shit, there's a bottle of bourbon. Yeah, <laughs> boys, <laughs> that means we can go to Denny's in the morning. Yeah, yeah we're gonna <laughs> for a week on this. Yeah, right. There's, there's a yeah. We, we're not gonna spend any money tonight, so we can take all the beer money and we can go get our straight up grand slams in the morning. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, actually like lived through all the like terrible bar deals too, where it's like, I feel like even now we are in the United States. Sometimes we deal with this because we've done way more touring in Europe. Obviously stuff is much better there, but we were the States to get to and from, you know, bigger shows. Sure. Yeah. Every once in a while it's like, well, you can't have beer, but (laughs) we're going to give you an 80% discount on one beer. Yeah. (laughs) Something ridiculous, right? It's all crazy. What was that fucking place in, uh, in, 
It was a caravan in San Jose that was, uh, they were like, oh, well, uh, you can have free soft drinks and Red Bull or like, th- like two, <laughs> two free soft drinks and Red Bull uh, and your merch person has to pay to get in. Like it's like a band. <laughs> I'm just like, what the? No. Like, and it's this place with like no fucking stage. You're like set up in this dingy little bar that like there's no sound system. We had to bring in our like the, our own sound system and stuff. I think the band that we played with with brought brought it in, and it was just like such a shit show. I'm like, really? Like what? Two red. <laughs> no, our merch guys. I remember. Playing. I think Dang, what like, happened is like all these bars. uh like when the '90s was happening, you needed a live music at your bar. Your bar wouldn't be successful. There wasn't DJs yet. There yeah. wasn't all this other stuff competing with it. So like live music was king. Like there's those streets in uh, like Dallas, Texas, where there was just like ten venues on the same street. Like yeah, uh, and all these other sorts of places. It used to be like that where I grew up in Pomona. Um, there's a venue called the Glass House there. That's like the thousand cap room. There's the Fox, which is like the, you know, several thousand cap room. And then on the street, every bar was a live venue that would have music from like, I don't know, 7 p.m. to uh, 2 a.m. Yeah. And just different bands because every band wanted to make it and every band wanted to be like whatever, No Doubt or something at that point. <laughs> Whoever the, like the big uh, band at that point was. Yeah, like it's. Then the 2000s hit. No one gave a shit about live music anymore, but you still have these like really, really bad bar <laughs> venue owners God. with these rules that are like ancient for that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah those bars. I, I will say that the bar games like are still super fun. I, fun. Yeah, still we super still fun. Yeah, especially it, hometown stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like there is an honesty in them. Uh, we have a, a venue in town. It's not a bar, so I'm going to deviate a little bit from what I'm saying, but it's just the exit in, right? It's like a 500 cap room, and it is a it is it's a historic in quotations. Uh, it is, but for Nashville, it's not like super old. It's like in the 70s, I think, mid 70s. But like Neil Young played there, and REM when they were coming up, and I mean, you know, like it was just like the place in Nashville to tour through for like up and coming bands, 70s, 80s, 90s. Still there. Um, but it's like the dingy, sticky floor, like cheap, cheap drinks that, you know, it's like you go in there, you ask for a Cosmo, you can get the hell out. You know what I mean? Like, no, you're getting like a whiskey, whiskey Coke, you're getting a tequila soda, like get the hell out. Yeah. Uh, there's just an honesty in that, like in that, and you're just like, no, 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 like this is, this is where rock and roll happens, you know? And in those bars too, right. And like the Johnson city, Tennessee, I don't know if y'all ever played Capone's it's it's just i mean you would fit in great there it's just like it's just like a rock and roll club right like mm-hmm. in a in a, a mid small to mid-sized like rust belt kind of town but like damn dude you go in there and people are there to like rock out they're not there they're not there like pissed off because the music's too loud and they can't have a conversation you know what i mean like they're in there going like hell yeah turn uh, that shit up yeah there's just an on there's an honesty in that that i love yeah what point did you guys start doing better tours? Like, what point did you get better at touring or the show started to get better or you got those opening support slots? Um, I mean, probably the same, same story as y'all. Like, touring got better when we went to Europe. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. The U.S. is a crazy market, man. It's, it's, it's wild. I mean, you know, we, we, like, we had certain markets that grew um, in the U.S. for sure and got some, some support slots. The Blackberry Smoke Tour was, like, the biggest, right? Um, 
past that, it was mostly like one-off things where you're like, yeah, hey, go. We oddly enough had like a had like a weird knack for one-off opening slots for one hit one like '90s one hit wonders. Not like Jesus there was Jones. What's that? Jesus Jones. Never Jesus Jones. Right? Toe the wet rocket. That was literally our last show. No, opening for Toe the Wet. I love '90s one hit wonder band. You're preaching the choir. Here's the insane thing: is like they had a hit in '89 and '91, and they are still on a bus with a full crew. And their guitar rack was worth forty grand. Isn't that wow. crazy? It's it's incredible, and they're they're wonderful, it's wonderful people. The crew is incredible. They put on a professional show. Like so, I'm not no. There's no shade being thrown, but it's but like opening slots. It was it was like one off kind of thing. Um, but man, then got hooked up with Teenage Head Music, Manning, and like Europe. It was like uh, it was it was just incredible. It's incredible going there. It's like man, and we, we love touring the states. U.S. crowd is wonderful, but it, it's Europe was just a whole different beast. It was just a whole different thing, and for some reason, it clicked over there before it really clicked in the U.S. Uh, and, and it was, man, you go over there, and you're like people, people uh, have a, a, a different type of vigor, yeah, you know, and are cool with paying money to see like a band that's never been in the before. Yeah, you know, that's the biggest part, I think. It's just they like live music. They don't put all this caveat of, like, I don't know that song or I don't yeah. know this band. I'm not going to go see live music. They just go. It's what they do. Yeah. And, also, and I do think you can probably attribute it a little bit to, like, I think pop culture and music is America's, like, number one export nationally. Mm-hmm. And so we're inundated, man. Like, you know, you look at you look at the song that's number one on the charts today, and in three months we'll have this conversation again. And everybody will go like, "Oh hell, I, yeah, I guess I remember that song." Like, I totally forgot about that. Like, because everything just moves so fast here. You know what I mean? It's 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 yeah, you're just you're just inundated with it. Whereas I think it takes a little bit more time to get to Europe, and so they're used to, to diving in and being a little more patient. You know, and, and giving it a little more time to breathe and to develop. That's my hypotheses yeah totally uh in la you could basically see a national touring act that's on the radio every night of the week if you wanted to so like why would you go see this band that you don't know or you don't trust or that's like a risk to go at this bar especially in the era of like playing at the sunset strip and stuff like that it's like wait so i have to leave my like hometown and I can't even get people, I can never get people from Echo Park to drive to Sunset, which is like 30 <laughs> minutes down the street or something, you know, let alone have someone from the suburbs like actually come out to one of those shows. So you just, you know, people are, I don't want to call it lazy, but like they like to stay in their bubbles. So, yeah. you know, someone who lives in Highland Park, which is right next to Echo Park, won't go to a show in Echo Park or vice versa, you know. So everyone yeah. in LA is in their little bubbles. So, and then it's like, well, you know, this radio band is playing at the satellite that's right here, and it's like a thousand person venue. Like, why would I go to? Why would I go to this? Uh, yeah. And then they have two like world class venues within walking distance of that street. It's like, well, <laughs> we're not going to compete with that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, but I think you've been nailed the head too. It's like because it's, it's the same thing in Nashville, right? Like when in a normal world, right? Like every night of the week, there's someone who's won a Grammy playing a show. Yeah. Right. And 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 so, like me being in Nashville, like I'm as guilty of, of this as, as anybody. Where it's just like, I mean, hell, the last show I saw before um, quarantine, COVID, my shit was a band called Illiterate Light, and it was they're a rock, two piece rock and roll band 
unbelievable. Like wall of sound, indie rock. It, it hit me in all the joy receptors that I have, right? It was just unbelievable. Going into it, though, I was talking to my wife. I was like, shit. I mean, again, I, I work, well, I, I bartended a rock and roll venue. So that aside, I was like, it has been six months since I bought a ticket to a show. Just because you just like, it's Nashville, right? Like, there's music everywhere, and you take things for granted and all that. But full circle, what, you know, when you're in tour in Spain, you're like, you know, Zaragoza or, you know, you're. Yeah, a small city that no one's ever heard of. Right, yeah, and, and, and you pull like 250 people out, and you gotta figure, like, they go, holy shit, an American rock and roll band's coming. That doesn't, you know, so I think that's a play, that, that plays into it as well, where it's like, yeah, they just, they're, they're not, they're not as like over, they're not des- not as desensitized to it, you know, and so they, they can still, they can appreciate it in a different way. Yeah, that, like, going to Europe was, was when it really clicked for us, and you're just like, okay, cool, like this, this, we're doing something that is at least interesting. There's at least an audience for it. Yeah, That's it's really, really cool. a, intoxicating as a young musician to do that. Do you guys feel that way, Steve? Like going over there, or oh, even yeah. Henry? Like and just getting like you're saying, like getting over to Europe and just like the the response that we get out the gate. Yeah, like yeah. oh yes, and, or like yeah. wait, even what your guys' first experience. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there was no like you know. Uh, <laughs> We always talk about this, and we were always sort of afraid of it, like the Where's Chris thing, but they just embraced a new guitar player with open arms, and yeah. no one knows who you were, you know what I mean? But they just still it, it right like away. nobody even cared, and it was, it, was like, it was like nothing had happened, right? Like, and, I, and I was coming into this like, like I had been watching you guys uh, perform. I was sort of like, you're like, creepy little follower guy would like follow you guys around and like go to shows and try to jam with you guys all the time. And, and, uh, I just happened to kind of put myself in a position to sort of join up under serendipitous circumstances for me at least. And, uh, and yeah, that was a big thing, like going to Europe the first time. And, and I was so nervous because I was, I was thinking I was going into this, you know, you guys are so much more established over there, and and I have oh, to. Henry, like, one second, let me put pause on this. I want you to yeah. finish the story, but for Ben, because Ben knows what's going on, their first real show that they had to play with us was Moulin Blues. <laughs> so it was like a huge festival, and I don't know if you guys ever yeah. did that one. Yeah. 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 So and, 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 yeah. and was, we had Moulin Blues on the books, right. and then. They joined, and we knew we had to play that show in six months. So we had, I, yeah. it was four months actually. It was, it was only yeah. four, it was four months. Yeah. Four months when we started rehearsals. Straight trial by fire. I had four exactly. months, and I didn't know what I thought. Like, oh, it's it's like a cool little blues. I I didn't know there were going to no. be like ten thousand people at this blues festival. Yeah. Like yeah. I didn't know until we got there, and then we showed up, and I was like, "Oh my god, we're <laughs> one of like one of the most fun European gigs we ever played." Yeah, amazing, yeah. and yeah. and and it was just crazy. Like I just like we just jumped into it, and it was happening, and and, and it was one of those like it on YouTube, and like it was crazy. And and it was one of those outings where it wasn't like you're going out there for you know five, six, seven, eight weeks. It was right. We flew in. We played uh, Blue Devils. We played a show the same day we landed, actually. Yeah. We, we, flew, like, yeah. we landed and we played a show that night. We were gone for a week with flight time and driving right. and grabbing beer <laughs> and shit. So it was like we had like three or four shows. It was like Blue Devils and then one in Ghent and then uh, 
uh, and then Moulin Blues, and then it was uh, off, Bruges. Then, it was at the uh, Bruges, yeah, Bruges, Bruges, yeah, yeah. Bruges. the Calc. Yeah, the Calc. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, rules, Devils, the Calc, and then we had that. We luckily, luckily, we had the two warm-up shows. So it was like, okay, you can play for like 150 people in a bar, and then you got to play for 10,000 people. <laughs> at and, a blues and, festival and get your bearings and also like you know jet lag and all that kind of stuff because right like henry you've never been to europe before at that point right i'd never been to europe before yeah. uh at all period. i hadn't either right ah, so dude, definitely so trial good. by fire <laughs> but yeah. you guys felt that appreciation ben's talking about which is basically like uh how many shows have you played in the states before and how did it feel going from right. playing those in the yeah. states to a festival like yeah. that? Yeah, we—I had only played in California with you guys too. Like we had only done local shows up until that point, so yeah. we never really like we'd never really even done a proper tour until we did that little run in Europe. So it was like all, all I was familiar with was doing uh, Marine Room or um, the Cliff in Laguna Beach or Wayfair maybe once or twice, and that was pretty much it. And then we, and then it was like, okay, we're going to get on a plane and go play in Europe. And this is just what's happening right now, I guess. And (laughs) just a totally different energy completely. I mean, like, just like, and, and, and it was so cool to just feel embraced because, because I was going into it thinking I had these, you know, big shoes to fill basically. Right. Like really, I mean, Chris is a badass, so it's like crazy going and, and, and looking up to this sort of thing and, and going out there and doing it and it's like i'm just getting embraced for it and yeah uh, totally in, in spite of this hyper analytical side of myself that is looking at every single mistake i'm making you know I, i'm also paying attention to what's happening in the audience and people are actually responding to it in a positive way so it's like yeah because it's working what well, yeah just from the outside perspective right of just purely being a listener like you 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 made it your own though like you didn't try and from just from my perspective, like right. just sonically, there's a difference between your playing and Chris's playing, and yes. I love Chris's playing. Wonderful, wonderful guy, wonderful player. But you're not, you're not trying, you're not imitating, right? Where I think if you would have come in and imitated again, purely from the listener yeah. standpoint, I think you would have, like, yeah, like anybody would have a hard time, right? Because you're, you're like, no person is ever going to play, especially in something creative, and artistic, is going to do the exact same thing as someone else. Mm-hmm. Like I think, like you came in and like you have your own style, you have your mm-hmm. own sound. Trying to. <laughs> yeah, no, you absolutely do. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we had the same thing. We, we transitioned from harmonica to keyboards. Right. And that was a much harder sell uh, than we expected because it was just like, oh, man. You know, but at the same time, the saving grace was that, like, our guy did what you did, right? Where it's just like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not this player. Yeah. He, you know, he had the good fortune of being a different instrumentalist, right? He's just like, mm-hmm. I don't play harmonica, I play keys. So there was a more obvious, like, line, uh, you know, but, but it was, that it was tough. Like, it was, it was harder than I expected, you know, because, like, people, they also have, like, very, they're much more open to accept, you know, like, new bands and stuff like that. But, like, I think, hit, like, in what you're saying, like, that, the fear of, of their like strong opinions. Right. It's right. very, very real. Cause you go over there and all of a sudden people are super nice, but they'll also be like, that show wasn't good. Like, <laughs> yeah, they oh, will. They will. Yeah. 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 So be like, um, what was the thing that killed us at one time? We, we played this festival in Belgium and the lady was like, Oh, I liked it. But the energy was like, you guys seem like you're tired. And yeah. we were like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and the, the thing is though, is that, like, 
that honesty is so good. Right. Oh, it yeah. is so good, yeah. right? And that's like that's something that it's it's like a hard pill to swallow sometimes, right? But you want that. You want someone to say like, "Hey, guys, right, get your shit together," because yeah. that that was lacking in some way, right? You want that, um, but at the same time, like uh, having not ever been used to it, uh, especially from a total stranger. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's just brutal. They'll just spit it out. Like they don't even care. They'll literally just go like, "I like the older guitar player better." Dude. <laughs> yeah. They said that. That like one in a meeting thousand. One time. Of it's oh. happened. It happened. It happened one time. That was the only so time. Why would you actually say that to yeah, someone? Yeah. Right. Dude, it's people un- say stuff through the internet and yeah. don't think people are real humans. <laughs> so we played a game. Was it last week that we had Angela on? Yeah. Right. We have, uh, one of our friends is really popular on Instagram. She plays a bunch of like classic rock covers on guitar. She's a great guitar player. But we played this game called, uh, what was it? Mean, nice, mm-hmm. mean, or creepy? Nice, yeah. mean, yeah. creepy, yeah. So we just pulled a bunch of her comments and then like went through them one by one to talk about like if they were nice, creepy, or mean. Yeah, nice, creepy, mean. Yeah, have it saved. You have it saved. Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say real quick back to like the, just people and fans and acceptance of uh, what we're doing in Europe is the other thing is Manny has been doing it for such a long time that I feel like people trust the teenage head brand and his roster is insane. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think like he's really built that reputation that where, again, if somebody sees, Oh, it's a teenage head music band, but I've never heard of the Delta saints or Robert John and the wreck. I'm still going to go and check it out. Yeah. And then they're also hooked. And yeah. it's like that sort of confidence in that brand and yeah. what he brings. Yeah. And Andrew's wearing the shirt. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just a shout out to teenage head music too, because Absolutely. they do what they do very well. And, and, uh, and man, he's been yeah, doing it since 98 too, man. Like his, his network of venues and, and bands. Like, I, I don't think he's, I've seen or heard a band that's on his roster that I haven't been like, Holy fuck. That's awesome. You know, it's it's wild. We we frequently lamented that like I I don't think I don't think that it could be an apples to apples like transition. I don't think team I think teenage head could would just have to like I think just the American market is different from the European market. Yeah, right. As far as like operating, but we lamented that we were just like God. I wish Manny and teenage head could, could like open a U.S. Arm, yes, <laughs> because like because it, it's it's what for for what we tour on right these like on the low end like hundred cap rooms on the high end like five hundred cap rooms right mm-hmm. these like in the U.S. it is I mean I, that's just what we did I don't, I'm not projecting y'all or my you know whatever y'all might be in different rooms but we were in the one hundred and five hundred cap room typically uh, and in that market like you just need promoters that give a shit yeah right you need people that go like no no no, no, no listen. I'm going to actually put together a decent bill with bands that sound like they go together. And we're going to vet the, we're going to vet the venue owners, right? We're going to vet the, the routing. Like we're going to understand kind of the whole A to B, but man, like they just do it so well over there. And we just, we were like, God, I wish we could figure out that. I wish someone was doing that in the U S where they're like, listen, I've got, I've got a roster of all my venues. You know, they trust me. They have a fan base that trusts me. You know, let's let's put together a tour. And uh, they actually promote. They, again, yeah. Like, I feel like half the promoters here in the U.S. like they don't even promote shit. They're like, yeah, hey, I'm the they're promoter not even for there. this venue. They're not even there. Eighty yeah, percent of the time, they don't, <laughs> they don't show up. They're like, hey, we, oh, need, we need artwork. Venue. We need 
you know, like, hey, where's your social media post? I'm like, dude, like, you're not, are you doing anything except for like, or are you just getting paid to send a text message? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I sent, I sent some mailers. Yeah. Well, in, in, in some cases, yeah. when you're booking a show, the promoter goes, hey, I need to fill the whole night. So um, right. let me know when you have three other bands that are going to play. Yeah. And we're like, well, we've never been to this town before. And I have no idea. Like, you are there. Yeah. We would be a great bill with some other <laughs> bands. You live in there. Area. Don't like, you know anybody? Like yeah. this is what you're supposed to do. You're the promoter. Like, and then they, and then they don't show up, and you get right. these other bands, and you're like, okay, well, this is really weird. And then you turn into the, the de facto promoter, yeah. or yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's no, like, hey. Warren, where do we? Where's the green room? Yeah, yeah. I'm like I, I don't even know where the bathroom is. <laughs> right. I don't even know where we are right now. I don't even have the Wi-Fi password, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you guys have a PA? Like, do you but guys, do you guys that's also just yeah. part of cutting your teeth. Yeah, it yeah. is, yeah. man. We have to ask: Is there a podcast safe? Well, it doesn't even have to be podcast safe because it's not us, so it doesn't matter to me. Is there, sure. a, is there a great tour story that you can think of that you want to share? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, no, I all good. I, I'm just I, I'm going through the list and just making sure that it's not going to incriminate anybody. But I don't think I think it's good. I, oh. All the people that it would incriminate, I'm pretty sure, are in jail. So, awesome. You know, there's a That's great. There's a um, like 45 minutes north of here's a town called Bowling Green, Kentucky. Right. Uh, Bowling Green. Bowling Green, Kentucky. And it's like there's a Eastern Kentucky University is there, I think, or maybe Western Kentucky. Probably Western because it's actually in the West. So, little uh, little bar called Tid Balls. And their their slogan is uh, "No balls, no fun," right? Nice. So yeah, yeah. So we go up there and we played it a number of times. It's it's just this. If if you put a hundred people in that room, it's like the fire marshal is is having an aneurysm, right? Like just it's tiny, and they do penny pitcher nights. So literally for a penny, you're getting like a pitcher of Natty Light, probably the, the keg that blew, or you know the like. It's like the old beer. The play there uh, had a second band in the bill that were locals. Really wonderful rock and roll. Everybody's sloppy, and, and uh, we were going to stay with them. They're like, you know, we have we have a mansion. We have like an old mansion. We're like, yeah, but this is you know a year in kind of thing. So great. Finish the show. Go to the we're, we're for after party. You can just sleep on the couches. Hundred percent awesome. Show up and it's just it is true to form. True, true. To, like, it is a mansion. An old mansion uh, that was condemned. Oh, right. So they were just, like stealing electric, stealing electricity from like the neighbors. Uh, but it was fully furnished. Uh, so we're there and partying and all that kind of thing. And great. Uh, the, our old drummer Ben and myself retire to the living room <clears throat> on a pull-out couch. The other guys are just scattered around and you're you know all night you're hearing the partying kind of thing going on and then in the morning ben and i wake up uh, you know three hours later wake up to this like horrendous commotion and we kind of start awake and like realize you kind of like gut feeling right when you're just like oh, all right shit's getting bad so we just like grab all of our stuff and, and kind of walk out and right as we're walking out on this gorgeous like antebellum staircase again in a condemned old mansion come like david and Greg and I think Dylan. No, 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 that was separate. David and Greg, like literally pulling pants on, putting shirts on, like escaping. 
apparently then we walk outside and there's a set of bed sheets aflame on the front lawn. Uh, there was a domestic dispute going on where this woman was mad at her boyfriend. So David woke up to the boyfriend being mad and grabbing an entire like wooden bureau and throwing it down the hall. And it landed like right next to David who was on a couch. <laughs> so he's mad. Uh, the guy through the bureau is mad. David and Greg wake up on the same couch. And they're just like, uh, and he's stark ass naked. The, the guy, the bureau throwing fella. Oh, okay. Stark ass naked. And his girlfriend is so mad that she is taking his bed sheets and dousing them in some sort of accelerant and lighting it and throwing it out the window. So we get out, <clears throat> as you do, and we're like kind of stepping over the flaming bed sheets. You get in the van and then you go, like head check, right? One, two, three, four. Where's Dylan? Which is probably always the question in your guys' band. <laughs> it, that so was that, that. was the first time. And I should also say the, the night before was Dylan's 21st birthday. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. So Dylan is... What a to celebrate. Dylan is zero places. Like, he is nowhere. And so we're, we like, we're in the van. We've gotten three hours of sleep. The fire department is coming to put out the lawn that's now blaze kind of thing. Like, it's just mayhem. We're like, okay, Bollinger's not a big city. It's a big enough city. Like, I don't know where Dylan went. And, like, someone was just, like, in the camp, just like, well, he, there was a hula girl who took him. Uh, and anyways, so, like, it was, we are literally driving around the city. And we parked, like, in this bank parking lot. It's, like, a Sunday morning, right, at, like, 9.30 a.m. None of us had slept. You know, half of us were still drunk. And we're just like, shit, what do we do? And we literally look across the street and Dylan is leaping down a fire escape. <laughs> he, he straight up like his phone died. He didn't, he was new in the band. Like literally like he's been in the band for like a month. And we just happened to pull in the right bank parking lot across from this like apartment building. And he wow. looked out and saw us and was like running down, like buttoning his shirt and putting his shirt on. And just was like, he got in the van and he was like, Holy shit. Anyways, so it was just like one thing after another after another where it's like abandoned, abandoned mansion, domestic dispute, front yards on fire, missing band member. And then like you look over and you see it and like holding onto the fire escape as like the ladder lowers. Yep. It all just sort of works out like that too. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And God, Dylan. The thing that scares me the most as an adult is that guy throwing that thing down the stairs and everyone being just in its path. Yeah. You know? Oh. Like, I mean, you know, again, we, we crashed. We crashed uh, right, as, like, right before it was peaking. Right? You know, like we're just like, all right, all right, it's like four in the morning and y'all are living in an abandoned house. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, we've reached our limit, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> And, uh, but it's and just still a place to stay, so as long as shit doesn't get too crazy, yeah. You know, hop out of bed after that. That's the problem with condemned houses, too, is you could do dumb shit like that, and, like, <laughs> it's just normal. Oh, I'm so mad I'm going to throw this thing down the stairs. It's like, what am I going to do, ruin the stairs? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's, yeah there's no there's, there's no, uh, there's no accountability when you live in a condemned house. Uh, what were you saying about Dylan? He, he just had a nap for that. Like, <clears throat> he, he, that guy... He is, uh, evolution, right, uh, is a hell of a thing. And as, like, we evolve, we create things like healthcare and things that, like, probably slow down evolution, right, or, like, 
somehow, you know, and Dylan is like, Dylan is an example of somebody like a bloodline that has not been phased. So he is just this, this super evolved human that doesn't really get hung over and just super capable. Right. Yeah. I mean, everything you throw at him, he's like, yeah, cool. Right. He's like, he's a good looking dude. He's just like naturally, naturally muscular. Right. You look at him like, fuck you. Yeah, an Abercrombie model. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and and like, and, and also just with like getting into crazy situations and coming out unscathed. You know, and you're just like, dude, if I did that, yeah, I'd, exactly. I'd be in, I'd be dead or in jail. Like, what? He's like, I don't know. It just, you know, it works out. He's just the Matthew McConaughey character in a movie. Right? One. Yeah. I remember talking to him and just like, I'm naturally a guy who jokes around with people. And he just took everything so seriously. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, no, no, no. Uh, uh. But, like, in a way, I, I could never take myself that seriously. And it was like, you know, oh, cool case you got there. He's like, yeah, I built it out of wood. <laughs> he, like, built all his road cases. He's just, like, the manliest man without even having to try or anything like it's, that. It's crazy, man. He really tie my shoes. And he's like, you know. I made this guitar out of a log that got struck by lightning or something like that. You know, just like oh, this odd things. He's man. He's, he's a wild, one. but he also like to he'll to this day or like, yeah, he, he's still like the party the hardest as far as like, he's built for the road, right? Like, yeah, just, just, <laughs> it's like he can sleep in the van all day. You know, he can, yeah, he, he can like stay up all night playing rock and roll. He can eat bar food all the time. Like he's just, he's built for the road, man. He's, he's again, he's a super evolved, like, like whatever comes after humans, you know what I mean? Like he is yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> you had 10 years to form this opinion, which is what I love. It's like, I don't want to think about this. I'm going to share a little, I'm going to share a little anecdote for the, for, for while we're talking about this, because I, I don't think I've ever actually met Dylan. Oh, I do not. I don't think I have, but um, I think it was the second time we went out there we I, I wanted a specific amp, and um, we had gotten there, and I didn't get the amp I wanted. I got this this orange amp. Oh yeah, yeah. And then and then like a couple weeks later, uh, this was when we were doing that run with Ozzy, and so we did. I think we did a week Ozzie and a half with Ozzy. Not Ozzy Osborne. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the tour manager, and then Manny oh. joins up. And and he sees that I got the orange, and I was like, "Yeah, I wanted the Fender, but I really like this orange amp." And he's like, he looks at me and he just goes, "Yeah, that's the amp Dylan liked." So I'm like, upon upon reflection of this conversation, because I still love using that amp when I go out there, I'm like, maybe I can absorb some osmosis by sharing the same amp of a higher evolved <laughs> being, right? Just like this post post uh, humanoid, right? <laughs> Dude, that that little orange is dope. It is. It is a really, really great amp. It's just like it's so unassuming. You sounds it. awesome. It's so little. It's, it's one of the one of my favorite amps I've ever played out of, and it yeah. just sounds great on every stage we played it on. And I'm just like, I want the orange, man. Gonna go yeah. with the orange tonight. That orange is great. Yep. Man, we. It was such an interesting thing. I, I'm sure this this translates to everybody, right? So just just like be a guitar nerd thing, but I love the, um, I love how good gear doesn't have to be big. Yes. Yeah. Anymore? Yes. Uh, now, drums may be different, right? Because, like, drums, that's a actual drums physical thing. Drums, yeah. It's kinda... That's a physical thing, though, right? Like, you know, um, but <clears throat> it's always fun to, like, show up to a gig and then just, like, got a full stack if you want to play it. And you're just like, no. no. 
I don't no. need eight. I don't. I don't need eight twelve-inch speakers. <laughs> oh, in, fact, okay. in fact, sir, one twelve-inch speaker is too much for this hundred and fifty yep. capacity club. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I would take a ten-inch speaker on maybe volume one. You know, and it's yep. like, well, you know, like it's not how we did it in the seventies. Yeah, it's not real. Work. It's not real rock and roll of you. You're just like, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, that's fine. Or like the, uh, I just there was on the opposite side of that it was always fun to show up to a, a festival and they have like. Uh, I forget which festival it was, but when we had Nate playing keys, they had a, a B3 with two full-size yes. Leslie's, like their Leslie, like the, the five-foot-tall ones or whatever. Yep. They had two. They ran them in stereo either side of the stage. And I will say, that is that is where I can look, come to the come to the other side, the dark side, where I'm just like, yeah, that's, well, that's two, 2,000 pounds of organ. So a year <laughs> ago good. on this date, on, on my birthday, we played the, uh, the Gavarnwinkel Festival. Oh, yeah. right? and and that one oh, I, I don't gosh. know if it was the same one uh for for you guys but but that festival they did have the two leslies and stuff and so for for my birthday like we didn't have it on on our you know input list and stuff but i was like hey like your b3's here it's my birthday like do you mind setting it up <laughs> you know and uh and they did and it was it was amazing but yeah dude like that thrill of it's just moving air, you know, and you still have your volume yeah. control and stuff. And I really only went full bore on it when, when I was soloing and stuff, but, but yeah, that there's nothing like it, dude. It's like, you just f- can feel the air just like giving you a back massage while you're doing it. Like it's nuts. man. Yeah. man. And, and two, that was like, it's appropriate setting too, right? It's yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, it's a festival outdoor festival. Stage. Yeah. Yeah. And Gavar and Winkle so wonderful. Yeah. That was like, I think that was like the second gig we ever played in Europe. And man, it was just, that was just one of those magical nights, you know, I mean, where just like you meet, you meet people that like you'd be friends with for a long time. Yeah. And you just you get like the perfect amount of drunk, you know, where it's like, you're just, yeah, you're just having a really good time. And, and yeah, such, such a good festival, such a surprising festival. Cause it's one of those where like every small town in the U S has like a fair, right. Yeah. So like, oh yeah, we're gonna have like a you know, it's, it's a hot rod show and then you have like a local band and you see Gavar and Winkle and you're like, This is just a little suburb, this is just a little town. Yeah. <laughs> and they're straight up throwing like a twenty five hundred person music festival or, or however big it is now. Yeah. Like, it was like I think it was about that size of music. They throw down hard. They just have so much fun. The guy who runs it's such a cool the guy. Yeah. Like uh Was it Bruno? Bruno, yeah. 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 What so a good fun. dude. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he he was like, I love that when someone puts on the festival, like he was running sound from the stage and stuff like that. He's like directly working it, you know. Did you did, was Doctor Blues there? Is uh, that a band? No, it's he. He was the MC. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I think he was. So I, I think so. He's he's a he's a he looks like the principal from Community. If anybody's ever seen Community. Uh, he, he's he's a he's a good looking guy, mid height, bald, glasses. Um, I'm pretty sure he was there. He, he's so wonderful. Yeah, I'm pretty like, sure. What a character! But the, when we were, we showed up, right, we were green as hell. Second gig ever in Europe, and he is just having the best damn time of his life, right? We're probably 14 doubles deep, and he's like. He's just partying. We're like, this guy's cool. Like he's in his like mid forties, you know. Like this is like an adult that's just straight doing it right, you know. And he's he introduces us, and he's 
it's just a shit show. And afterwards, we're at the after party, he's hanging from like light rigging. And he's wearing like neon pants and he's just, he is just throwing down. And then I have a conversation a little later with, with a person I've met. Uh, his name's Brom, good guy, a good friend. He was like, oh yeah, that's, that's my doctor. And I was like, come again? He goes, yeah, no, this guy's the doctor for the whole village or the whole town. And I was just like, that guy. Yeah. That guy currently swinging from light trust. <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's, you know. So he checks my prostate. You're like, dear, dear <laughs> Jesus, man. Like, <laughs> Hopefully no one gets hurt that day. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, well, reschedule your appointment. Yeah. At least he knows how to put things back Just together. Him. Right? Yeah. No. And, and the thing is, is there was something really endearing about it though, where it was just like these, they know how to party. They know how to have a really good time. And then like, they know how to be adults too. You know, like, they know how to like, cause we, we've seen him many, many times post that. And it's one of those things you, you have the conversation with and you're like, man, I hope if I ever become an adult, like I can, I can still party as hard as you, but maybe still be as productive as you do. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was something that it really stood out in my brain. It was just like, shit. Very quick five questions to close it out. You ready? Yeah. We can it. play along too. Ooh. But, uh, but I feel like we've answered a lot of these questions already, but because you've done all the tours and stuff like that, I have to ask certain things. So sure. What's your favorite little city in Europe? Favorite little little meaning like it wouldn't be on a, like a general map. It's not a capital. Uh, or if you have a favorite city that is, you know, no, I, I, I first thing that popped into my head, uh, and I mentioned earlier, uh, Zaragoza, Spain. Zaragoza is gorgeous. Oh, it's incredible. Like, the cathedral is beautiful. Like, yeah, all those Spanish little cities have so much mm-hmm. charm. Yeah. Um, I was talking to someone last night about going to Spain, and they were like, I really wanted to go to Barcelona and Madrid. I was like, no, you don't. This, this is the no. two worst places to go. Like, go to any <laughs> other small city. You're going to get all your shit jacked. You'll don't get go robbed. There. Go somewhere else. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a whole other thing. We could both right. talk about getting robbed in Barcelona. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite city that's not a capital in the United States? Favorite city that's not a capital. Uh, well, I'm just trying to show my ass by naming a capital just because I don't know what capitals are. Um, uh, it's, it's all good. If it's a capital, too, just not not the average answer. No L.A.s, no New Yorks, you know. It won't be L.A., and, and this is a this is a very charmed, very charmed statement. Um, but Dylan's grandmother lives in La Jolla, and so we got, oh, to, okay. we got to, like, every time we go to the West Coast, we would take, like, a week vacation. One of my friends' grandparents had a beach house in Del Mar, which is not far from there. So, for mm-hmm. everyone uh, listening at home, La Jolla is a town north of San Diego. Mm-hmm. My sister actually went to UCSD and lived in La Jolla for a number of years. So, and it's not in no way is it reality. And I have no. to I have to tell myself that every time I go there, where it's just like, hey, hey, kid, like let's no. just let's keep it balanced here. You'll never live here. You can live there. People live there. Yeah. They do. You can walk to the beach. It's awesome. They do. Uh, it's not, well, it is expensive, but like Del Mar is more expensive. Laguna Beach is more expensive. La Jolla yeah. is like the medium priced. And then you can just live in Carlsbad. That's where all my college, right. you know, friends who uh, never wanted to leave college uh, ended up living. Carlsbad yeah. is the party town that's still affordable. And there's a shit ton oh, of breweries, too. And EVs. Yeah, yeah totally. Um <laughs> One of my first video okay. gigs was at Eddie V's. What's Bruce? the best drive? What's the best stretch of road? Like beautiful looking. Man, uh, as far as interstate goes, oh, wherever you want, international. 
<clears throat> oh man, you can't beat the Swiss Alps when we were like, you know, anytime we'd be going into Switzerland, it's, I mean, yeah, it's just gorgeous, man. It's like, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable mountains. It's like, it's again, it's like what the Rockies like wish they were. And I love the Rockies, yeah. but like you go to the Alps and just like, this is yeah. Wild. It's an, yeah. it's a spectacle. Like it's, yeah, it, that shit's just so nuts, man. Like, and it just keeps going and going and going and going. Like the, that entire drive is just like driving through a dream. Like, it's insane. It, yeah, it, wild. It, but I also will say there, there's a the mountains in Spain are in the same way, but they're just it's like the Alps but the desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, northern right. Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of that north, yeah, northeastern. I think that's uh, how I felt about Austria too. When we when we went to Austria, yeah. like very like just like. What am I even looking at right now? Green mountains, like yeah. you've never seen in your life. Yeah. No, no, verdant, like bright, verdant green. Yeah. We played, uh, so speaking of, of Bruno, we, uh, we played his his venue in Austria. Yeah. A couple times oh, back. Cool. And yeah. it was nuts because it's this, this like log cabin up on this hill overlooking the valley and the town with the mountains in the back and just like the most picturesque. We got up there and it was just like, picturesque. Fuck, so like, picturesque. Yeah. And incredible. Was it? Man. So Saint beautiful. Martin and Tenebridge or whatever. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation on it or whatever. Yeah, some, yeah. something like whatever that. Whatever that was. It's super that cool. Tiny, Great. tiny, tiny town. Yeah. Great schnitzel. Yeah. Great. Okay, let's yeah. keep it rolling. Go. Speaking of schnitzel, what is your favorite food on tour in Europe? Uh, no joke. It is actually schnitzel. It's a Zagoiner schnitzel. I'm probably butchering that um, to date. Yeah, my favorite meal. That's so crazy to me. Isn't that wild? Uh, schnitzel is amazing. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the Spanish seafood like blew my mind in a way that uh, yeah. I, yeah. I hated seafood before, and they converted me. I was like, oh, this is what seafood's supposed to taste like. Yeah, I love. Listen, I love. I'm all about the paella, and, and especially like an estepona. Uh, you get like the, the grilled squid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah on the beach, yes, 100. Stop talking about it, man. I'm into it. Making me crazy. But schnitzel. So good. Yeah, we had some really, really good schnitzel and made by like people, you know what I mean? Like yeah. made by the the mom of the family that works yeah. at the hotel or like the grandma or something like that. And it was like, oh my God. Yeah. And I, I would kill for just a small portion of schnitzel. <laughs> for Christ's sakes, can you guys not make it the size of a toilet seat? Like <laughs> it's so good, and I'm not gonna not eat the whole thing. There's no way not eating a whole plate full of schnitzel. It's so good. Yeah, but, but yeah. Pork. yeah, give me uh, give me like a four ounce portion, not like a you know straight up forty eight ounce porterhouse. <laughs> yeah, my my heart can't take oh, it. Oh man, I was I was so happy when we rolled up to that one hotel and they had they had uh, the Putin schnitzel, the turkey schnitzel. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't eat pork or beef. And then, then we rolled up and I was like, and I, I checked with the waitress. I was like, this is like turkey, right? Like just making sure with you. And they're like, yeah. And, Sure enough, just a giant schnitzel that was all turkey. And that was, oh my God, so good. Okay, now, the real question. Where where was the best fan experience? Or like Um, the craziest show? So, yeah, a little craziest. Best, I I feel bad about saying best, just because you're just like, you can go like, oh, it's here. No, but it's here also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, I mean, honestly, like the, Spain is is insane. Is there any yeah. specific towns in Spain that you guys had crazy experiences at? Honestly, like our best shows in best is relative. Uh, uh, 
Madrid has always been wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we actually uh, have a lot of fans there too. And the Madrid shows have been amazing. They, they, people come out, they pack in and they just party and they party hard. Right. And you're just like, it's 2 a.m. on a Tuesday and it's still packed and people are going nuts and yeah. Yeah. Chant, you know, doing the chants and then you get off stage and people are still there wanting to drink with you and, and hang out. And, um, Barcelona has been like up and down as far as numbers go, like uh, yeah, the years yeah. that we've been there at Rock Sound. But Madrid gets bigger every time we yeah, go. Yeah. And yeah, the room, like, I don't know if you guys play Del Sol or yeah. Uh, if you're, oh, yeah. yeah, but God, that place is amazing. The load in loadout blows. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> at, at whatever 1 a.m. they're not partying, like the DJ has to load in. So yeah, I remember we had to do that one in the rain. Yep. And it's just like a bunch of flight of stairs and stuff like that. Oh. Steve was filming it on his phone, so everyone was mad at him. I he was actually it. loading out too, but you know, like he's like, yeah. "We should remember this moment." And we're like, "Fuck you," you know, like. Yeah. Up. Then it's like, "Oh, we need a music video with uh, with all these uh, this tour footage," you know, because we. Hey, can't go I'm glad shit. you did it now. No, I'm talking on, about on. in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Okay. No, we we did that. I literally I did the exact same thing. 100. percent Like I had a GoPro and like just set it at the foot of the stairs, looking up, and it took me like five, you know, five minutes to kind of get the angle and all that. Yeah, and yeah. These guys are loading up that six, you know, the the, the fridge base cab up yeah. those nine, oh, 92 stairs or whatever uh, it was. And I was like, for fuck's sake, come on! I'm I'm shameless with it though. I just do it on my door. phone, and I'm just I'm like, man, just, how do you feel right now? Hey, we're loading out. Hey, it's a moment. Hey. <laughs> You know, they're like, fuck you, carry the shit. Like, come on. You're, you you're sweating. How do you feel? You're like, yeah. get, get, get out. Just grab You're something. like punching you in the goddamn face. No, Del Sol was fun, man. What, yeah. a, what a fun, like, basement rock and roll club. Yeah. All right, Ben. Well, I feel like we, like, scratched the surface of what we could talk to you about yes. uh, when it comes to music or touring or whatever. And you're invited back whenever you want. I appreciate you. As long as you're willing to stay up this late. And I'm sure you are full of just as many tour stories as we have, but we've told a lot of our tour stories. So we're just getting into our extremely bad tour stories, meaning like everyone we release means my girlfriend's going to find out about another thing stupid that I did. She's yeah. an avid podcast listener. So yeah, we love it when other, other people come on and tell us <laughs> their stories. So we don't want to be embarrassed. Um, and I love it. that is, I don't know. That's just like part of the fun. I think of being in a rock and roll band too, right? Yeah, it's all the and people go like, oh, it's the drugs or it's the partying. It's like, no, it's the crazy stuff that happens. Yeah. Like you can't you can't just go like, oh, I did so much cocaine or so much this or that. There's, that's not a story. The story is like we like just drinking in a bar. You yeah. could have great stories. And you're like, I met this guy and he ended up like letting us stay at his mansion. And then his wife ended up, you know, yeah. uh, uh, making out with our singer or something like that. We found out they were swingers and, you know. I just, yeah. you know, all the crazy weird stuff that you can't plan for, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 100%. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's wild. Uh, yeah. Just how much insanity can happen in, in, in like a confined amount of time and experience, yeah. too. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. You go on tour for a month and you, you don't even know where to start with how many stories you have. Yeah. Because every night was equally yeah. as crazy. It, it always Man. takes me like, like two to three weeks to decompress and like, really process everything <laughs> that happened, happened you know yeah it's crazy man man and, the, and the, that's also it's too like uh, having uh, I mean, i'm sure with, with all with y'all like having the fortune to talk to people that have been doing this a lot longer than, than me and, and yeah. been very you know different levels of success but, but much more successful than, than, than i am at the moment and th- like they 
I've never, I've never heard a single person who I've talked to who's been really successful, like talk about like, Oh yeah, I got like my own jet, you know, yeah. got like, got this, got the new Beamer. Like they're all, they're straight up just being like this one time we played the matinee at a strip club in New Jersey. Uh, and let me tell you, and you're just like, man, I'm in, like, yeah, I already tell stuff. Right. Yeah. They are like, yeah, this one time, like I didn't eat for three days, uh, cause you know, we couldn't afford it. And then we showed up and Vegas had like a two ninety nine buffet of crab legs and we, <laughs> we ate 14 pounds and then we all got salmonella. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, let's, let's, let's go. Let's, let's talk. So, uh, Ben, where can people find you, and what are you working on right now? Ben, I uh, I'm just launching a new kind of indie rock project called Boy Orbison. Yeah, dude. Yeah, really excited, really excited. So spent the last like year and a half making a record. Just finished the record a couple weeks ago. So it's kind of going off to mastering all that kind of stuff. Um, released two singles um, so far, and got kind of a bunch more. So kind of trying to figure out kind of how to release, you know, releasing anything is tough. Uh, and then releasing kind of in this weird coronavirus times is doubly tough. So, or doubly weird, I should yeah. say. So just kind of figuring it out. Yeah. So just kind of doing singles right now, but um, yeah, Boy Orbison is the project. You can find it on Spotify. Um, the website is, um, before I lie to you, or I have it written down. Website is yeah. Oh, it's like, scrolling because y'all are I think all of your handles have the boy Orbison in them. Yeah, they do. Because someone else took boy Orbison. Yeah, I saw that guy too and I was like, that's not you. Uh yes. So that's that's just kind of the board the uh is the product I'm working. Pretty fun. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it kind of kind of like nineties Beck is kind of kind of the vibe. So nice. And he just released yeah. a single like what was it, like two weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, see yeah, you yeah. soon. Called yeah, called see you soon. Yeah, hell yeah, and we're we're gonna we're gonna play that before uh, before as as our outro instead of our normal uh, normal bumper there, so y'all can listen to it and go check it out on Spotify. And uh, yes, every check the description for all you listeners and uh, Henry's history lesson. Uh, I'm gonna put the uh, Teenage Head Music link to their roster of bands, so you can go check out everybody and. Find more music and bands that you're going to love and uh, all of uh, the Boy Orbison stuff. Check the description, click on shit, and uh, go follow. Which... Uh, what do we have coming up? We're going to be featured in Joe Bonamassa's After Party for uh, his record release yes. uh, concert at the Ryman, which he's doing in a couple weeks here. So that should be awesome. Go check that out. I know all of you guys are Bonamassa fans anyways, and that's how you met us, but... We will be, uh, we have some acoustic stuff that we're going to, we've done already and we're finishing up. So you'll see us there. And then we're working on something that's hopefully going to be pretty cool. Uh, We're really excited that we got a bunch of new fans from this new record. And we're trying to figure out a way to introduce everyone to the back catalog in a really cool way. So that's what we're working on for the future here. And if you like us, like your podcast listeners, then you're definitely going to like what we're going to do next here. So just keep your eyes peeled. We're working on a bunch of cool stuff. So, stay good. What's the sign-off, Steve? I'm really bad at the sign-off. You're the sign-off guy. Be good to each other. Click on the links in the descriptions and go dive further and be good to each other and get wrecked, y'all. And this is the Wreck Podcast debut of See You Soon by Boy Orbison. <laughs>